Welcome to the Center of Everywhere podcast, where we explore stories of rural Minnesotans who are making a difference in their communities. Rural isn't in the middle of nowhere. It is in the center of everywhere. Welcome to the Center of Everywhere podcast. I'm Kelly Ash, Senior Researcher for the Center for Rural Policy and Development. We are a private, nonpartisan, nonprofit organization based in rural Minnesota, where we are dedicated to providing data-driven research on rural issues to help our policymakers make more informed decisions affecting the rural people and places of our state. And today I'm speaking with Marnie Werner, Vice President of Research at the Center for Rural Policy and Development, on her new report, The Disappearing Rural Newspaper. Uh, report that came out, was it this week, Marnie, or last week? I can't remember. It was late last um, week. Yeah. April twenty-six, And the report kind of dives into and I think brings to light just what's kind of going on with rural newspapers. I think a lot of headlines have talked about it a little bit. Anecdotally, we hear things about it. I think policymakers, it's on their radar. And this report was just to kind of give a foundation of what the issue is, what's going on. Why are right. some of the community newspapers disappearing? What do those numbers actually <clears throat> look like? And Marnie, maybe a good place to start is what what do the numbers actually look like? You know, how 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 serious of an issue is the decline of newspapers in Minnesota? Yeah, well, you know, rural newspapers are just a subset of the whole newspaper industry. And and, and nationwide, the the picture looks kind of dire. The the circulation of newspapers has been dropping since pretty much since the 90s. But it's really taken off in the in the 2000s. And in Minnesota, it's maybe more apparent looking at employment numbers when you look at uh, the numbers from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. We've lost about 70 percent of the jobs in uh, in the newspaper in industry. This is in the print newspaper industry. So this doesn't include like online news or TV or anything like that. And so that employment is down from over 9,000 employees to around 2,000 and something. And this includes, you know, not just your reporters and editors, but your people working in the back shop and printing, your people selling ads, your people working in the front office and things like that. And so when you look at it that way, you, you notice that not only have we lost about 25% of our newspapers statewide, the number of employees working for newspapers is actually very much down now. The newsrooms are, and and the rest of the staff are basically half of what they used to be. And that can be a big problem for a community when they, they lose their newspaper. So you spoke a little bit about this being print newspaper, and obviously the implication there is that, you know, there's been a shift nationally, globally, towards a more digital news business model. Right. Is that something that rural areas can adapt to? Oh, not easily. And that gets into what we like to talk about here constantly, which is economies of scale. The The newspaper industry is going through a huge transition, just like the publishing industry and the music industry went through, you know, with going from CDs to, you know, Spotify. And it's, uh, and, and it's newspapers turns. It's been happening for a little longer. And so 
since the other industries have been adapting to digital, you know, and the, nat the, the natural thought might be, well, newspapers can do that too. We're seeing more and more online news outlets. We have, you know, every newspaper's got a website and things like that. And we think, oh, that, that should work. But the thing we found in the research is that digital is not necessarily the thing to depend on. It's It's not going to just fix everything. Um, small newspapers, really small rural newspapers, they they have a website, but they don't always have enough money to make it a sophisticated website. Rural communities don't always have the digital infrastructure that's needed to set up something really sophisticated. But the biggest issue, and it's an issue not just for rural papers, but all of the newspapers, is that the newspaper industry made its money on three things, on subscriptions, on selling classified ads, and selling display ads. Uh, subscriptions have stayed fairly level, the revenue from subscriptions over the last you know, 20, 30 years. The revenue from classified ads and display ads has absolutely tanked to the point where now uh, newspapers on average make more money from subscriptions than they do from ads. That's not to say that that's the case for every newspaper, but on average, that's the situation nationally. And the, the what's behind that is that because of certain things with the internet that have happened, uh, advertising in print newspapers has just dropped precipitously. But the ads on the digital ads, like the Google ads and whatnot that you'll see on websites, they don't make money for the newspapers. You know, they make such a tiny amount of money, each individual ad does, that you have to be dealing in a, a, a massive volume of ads, you know, thousands or millions of ads a day, like Google or Facebook, to be able to make any meaningful revenue off of them. And the smaller the newspaper, the less traffic it will have on its website, and so the less revenue it'll make from those ads. And so the hope initially was that, oh, we'll you know get a website going, we'll throw ads on there, and we'll start making money from it. And that is just not how it has turned out. And so the big, the big issue now is if digital isn't going to fix things, what do we do? to fix the revenue model because the print ad revenue model is fundamentally broken in that it can't be counted on to provide all of the revenue anymore. But with some of the editors that I've talked to at, at small rural newspapers, they've actually been able to make that work. They have been really focusing on building relationships with the businesses that they, that advertise with them, doing things like special sections and sponsored events, things like that, that really work in the community. Um, it, it's especially, it seems to work especially well in the, in, you know, in the smallest communities because there everybody knows each other and they trust each other. And so businesses are, are willing to throw that money into the newspaper because they know that newspaper is providing important services in their community and they're willing to support it. One thing that we talk about at Center for Rural Policy and Development, particularly with Reed Anfinson, who's one of our, 
our board members, uh, owner of three newspapers in, in West Central Minnesota, is that the newspaper revenue or like its its business model has been tied to what has occurred on Main Street in our small town of rural areas with the decline in retail uh, and smaller stores. Um, uh, can you talk a little bit about that link? Well, yeah, it's kind of the same the same thing that we've seen, you know, the, the same evolution we've seen in, in rural towns, not just, you know, not just related to the Internet, but just to the past 50 or so years where, you know, the the downtowns and the, the retail aspect of downtowns and small rural communities have been declining. Basically, you know, we hear about the empty storefronts and you drive through some of the smallest towns and you still see empty storefronts on the main street. And that retail aspect was really what was providing advertising for newspapers. Um, and, and during the Great Recession, uh, that really finished off the department stores that were already suffering from the advent of Amazon. And it also uh, finished off uh a lot of the car dealerships, or I shouldn't say a lot of the car dealerships. It's only a, it was only a small percentage, but many of those car dealerships were in small towns, and department stores and car dealerships were the big advertisers in small local newspapers. And so now, what uh, publishers find is that they need to scramble to find other advertisers. And yeah, those two things have paralleled, but. As we've seen the downtowns and small communities evolve, you know, newspapers are starting to, you know, see that they're starting to evolve too and and moving away from just that dependence on downtowns and, and figuring out other ways to, you know, bring other revenue in and, you know, and capitalize on the, the other businesses that are there. It's interesting. If, I think if you were to read, you know, just your headline, it would look like we're just waiting for all rural newspapers to just go away, to, to, to be done. But that wasn't necessarily what your research showed. When you were on the ground talking to editors, um, looking at some of the numbers, there's a lot of nuance here and there's a lot of opportunity in terms of making and adapting this business model to work for small town newspapers. What, what were you seeing when you saw when you saw that? Yeah, yeah. The headline on the report probably really should have had a question mark on it on the end of it, you know, the disappearing rural newspaper, because the the research was such, you know, the research out there on the newspaper industry is very doom and gloom. But on the ground at the, you know, at the most local level, uh, there was really, you know, a lot of a lot of optimism amongst a lot of the the newspapers I talked to uh, owners and and publishers of newspapers and there was a lot of creativity going on a lot of thinking about how can we you know expand our revenue what can we do to to make more money what you know can I move into this community because you know, the other paper either moved out or the paper that's there, I don't feel like it's, you know, doing its job. And so I'm going to go in and, and open my own newspaper and compete with it. And, you know, there was there several examples of that, which really, you know, gave me optimism for for local newspapers, maybe more optimism than at the, you know, amongst the bigger 
regional newspapers, you know, at, at the state and, and national level. Uh, these newspapers have the ability to, you know, adjust course and move quickly and try new things and be creative. And that uh, that's always a good thing for a business to be able to do that. So not only are these newspapers dealing with a business model, uh, adapting, changing, evolving, there's also the issue of trying to find reporters and, and yes. employees to work for the newspapers, which isn't exactly easy for any business or industry at this point in Minnesota. Um, what were some of the interesting things you found there in terms of how they're trying to adapt to that, to try and find, you know, local reporters? Yeah, well, it's it's never been easy for small rural newspapers to find reporters, especially reporters that are, you know, coming out of the journalism school. And, you know, they may think that these, these graduates may think that, you know, covering 4-H and the Boy Scouts and whatnot is is not real journalism. You know, they all want to be on the investigative journalism track and things like that. But um, nowadays, you know, everybody's having a worker shortage and news the newspaper industry is, is no different. And so attracting, you know, reporters to a small paper where they're maybe not going to get paid a whole lot or where the newspaper simply can't afford to pay uh, a reporter uh, full-time and provide benefits and things like that. You know, it it's, goes both ways. And so they're starting to spring up uh, more of what's um, something that's always been with us, which is community reporters and what's called stringers in the newspaper business. These are part-time reporters. Um, you know, in the olden days, you had stringers who were like doing part-time work to try and, and impress the, the the editor on the big city newspaper that they were good enough and that they could, you know, be a reporter at the city desk. And But nowadays, you have people who just want to do it part-time because it's they, they have a day job with benefits, but they like writing and they like covering the news. And so... Uh, some of the papers are, you know, taking advantage of that by by teaching volunteers and part-timers how to do reporting and how to interview people and how to cover a city council meeting. And uh, and then also the, news, the Minnesota Newspaper Association has teamed up with Bethel University to provide a community reporting, community journalism training camp, basically, uh, teaching volunteers the the basic principles of journalism and, and the, the, the writing principles and the ethic, ethical principles of journalism so that they can go out and help their local newspapers uh, cover the news that, that needs to be covered. And one thing I know we would have conversations about this as you were working on the research report, just how interesting it would be to be a journalist major today, you know, given the climate of journalism uh, typically or I should say forwards journalists um, which isn't uh, pleasant currently but as well as you know I always think and maybe you and I are probably a bit out of the normal but if I was a journalist major and maybe I had a couple of years of experience the opportunity to go to a rural newspaper and have like a lot of control or even be able to purchase a newspaper and run it by my own as a journalist, that would be pretty exciting and enticing. Is that something that gets discussed at all or not necessarily? I saw a couple examples of that where uh, 
where actually the the owner of the New Richland newspaper and the startup Wasika County Pioneer newspaper, um, he's in his 20s. And he's his parents own the New Richland paper. And so he's been in the business basically his whole life. So he knew what he was doing when he bought the paper from his parents. But the fact that he's in his 20s and thinks he can make this work is, you know, that's a lot of chutzpah and, and optimism there. And so that's that's a great sign. And then there's actually a program um, at West Virginia University where they're offering uh, journalism students the chance to, you know, giving them entrepreneur training, you know, and, you know, thinking here, there are lots of little newspapers out there that are going to need owners. And, you know, we can teach you the business aspect of it. It's always been very siloed before, you know, as, as in any large business, the reporters cover the reporting and then, you know, the managers cover the management part of it. But, you know, it's that's that's totally changed now for small rural newspapers. And, and actually, it's probably always been that way, you know, with papers that have very small newsrooms. The person who owns the paper and is running it is also doing, you know, covering the news, you know, like Reed Amphenson, you know, as we were talking about. He's he also does all the he owns the papers, but he also does all the news coverage uh, or a lot of the news coverage. And so that entrepreneurship. Uh, entrepreneurial idea is it, it it's not new but it seems new and so you know if someone was thinking I would like to own a business and you know and I do know how to do journalism there's a real opportunity there and there actually is a huge opportunity because a lot of the the owners of small rural newspapers are you know they're baby boomers they're getting up there they're getting towards retirement age and, and they want to sell it to somebody and they would, would prefer to sell it to an individual who is going to, you know, carry on that same news gathering community, uh, being part of the community uh, tradition that they've, that they've uh, had all these years. And so there's a, there's a real opportunity out there. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's pretty uh, a pretty interesting idea for sure. Uh, I guess we'll end with you know. I think everybody takes for granted our community newspapers, and maybe it's important. Like, what what do you feel like? Why is it important to have a community newspaper? It's kind of one of those things where you don't appreciate it until it's gone. And what do you feel like when this isn't there? Yeah. What does it mean? Was it translate yeah. not in a negative way, but you know, like why is it important that we continue to support our, our local newspapers? Well, there's a lot of research out there looking into this. And um the the big thing that is discussed is what's called civic engagement, which is basically newspapers providing the information that people need to be able to make an informed vote you know, and, and know all the facts around issues. And that's so important at the local level, because that's where, you know, a lot of the tax dollars are spent. That's also where the, the you know, the individual really has the most control over local government and, and what it's doing. And newspapers provide that information that really is not going to get picked up by anybody else. The, as one editor put it, um, 
you know, someone, the, the radio station will show up when, you know, when we kill somebody here, you know, but they're not going to show up for every city council meeting and, you know, nothing against radio stations, but they are, they, they are on, you know, they're based on short format. They can't spend a lot of time on a particular issue and they can't spend a lot of time covering every little community in their broadcast area. And so you need those little local newspapers who can spend time on covering that most local news. And we do need that because, you know, our elected officials, you know, 99% of them, of course, are great and well-meaning, but there are always those ones where you, you know, you need to keep an eye on them. They need to know that somebody's paying attention. And that's what newspapers do. Newspapers also present you with opposing opinions, which you're not necessarily going to find on, you know, uh, on your phone if you have curated your podcasts and your Twitter accounts a certain way. You're, you're, you know, you're not going to find opposing views, and and you're not going to be challenged in your opinions about things. And and newspapers are are much more able to do that than than other outlets. The other aspect of civic engagement, though, that wasn't talked about nearly as much um, is that there's that whole aspect of what your neighbors are doing and just knowing what's going on there. Um, you know, it's it's good to have, you know, know who's in 4-H, who won the blue ribbon at the county fair in 4-H and who's getting the scholarships for FFA and who went to state in FFA and and won this and that and you know who went to uh you know went to you know say on a vacation to costa rica with a, a birding tour and now they're coming back to talk about it and you know everybody has a story and usually it's it's an interesting story and especially nowadays when we don't have those social venues anymore where we used to hang out, you know, and, and, and just sit and talk to each other. The newspaper is the place that provides that, that news that, that you find out about your neighbors so that when you see them in the grocery store, you can say, oh, hey, how was that trip to Costa Rica? I'm gonna, I want to come and hear about, you know, the birding tour that you went on and things like that. It's those little things, the high school sports and, and the county fair and whatnot that really tie people together and tie a community together. And when you don't have that anymore, it's, it's you know, another, another tie that binds that is lost in the community. And it's really hard to find a substitute for that. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, a lot of folks will try to compare our local community newspapers with something like the Star Tribune, for example, but they're not the same thing. They're very different, right? Where the Star Tribune, yeah. you know, is more focused on statewide, national, or seven county metro news. And usually that news is something, I don't want to say negative, but, you know, something big, right? Yeah. Where your local newspaper is more about accountability of local officials, civic engagement, but that's all uh, providing that social fabric. Mm -hmm. um, that, yeah, you, you really can't, there's nothing to fill that. In. Yeah. Well, uh, now in, in, in your hometown in Hancock, their newspaper merged with, was it the Morris newspaper? Yeah. It's the uh, Stephen County newspaper? Times now. Yeah. Stephen <laughs> County Times. So yeah. what's, what's been the impact there? Well, it, again, it's one of those interesting things where 
I think they figured out the economies of scale, like do we need two separate newspapers serving Morse and Hancock? What if we combine them? The newspaper gets a bit bigger because it's covering both now. Uh, and people feel like, I think it's working. I think at first there was this worry that, oh, it's just gonna be focused on Morse now because it's the bigger town, it has university in it, there's more news going on. And so I think there were some adjustments in trying to figure out what that balance is. How much should the newspaper include Hancock and Morris and Chicago, Alberta and all those. Um, but once you find that balance, I mean, it works pretty good, mm -hmm. I think. So, yeah. 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 And and we should note that, um, you know, a lot of times when this when this whole thing of mergers and acquisitions is talked about, it's made to sound, you know, kind of predatory you know, like this newspaper came in and this newspaper company came in and snapped up this other newspaper and, and things like that. But in, in Minnesota, and especially in, in rural Minnesota, a lot of it was really a matter of a neighboring newspaper, you know, buying up that local newspaper and merging. It, it, it was a survival tactic, because if they all tried to stay separated, they just weren't going to be able to survive. And so this way, you know, you do have coverage for Hancock and, you know, if the Hancock paper had just not been been uh, bought and merged, it maybe wouldn't have survived and would have closed. And but uh, this way they're able to continue that coverage for Hancock. And, and so it was part of that surviving this big, you know, scary transition. But, um, you know, how to keep those papers going now is is the next is the next big step. Yeah, right. Well, thanks a lot, Marnie. I hope everybody sure. gets a chance. Um, if you're interested in reading the report, it is on the front page, www.ruralmn.org. You'll find it uh, right at the top currently. And uh, it's a very interesting read. I think it'll give everybody a good foundation on what the issue is. And thanks, Marnie, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to the Center of Everywhere podcast, where we explore stories of rural Minnesotans who are making a difference in their communities. Rural isn't in the middle of nowhere. It is in the center of everywhere.